one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. What are we waiting for? You know what you gotta do. Do it. How do you feel what's about to happen on this field, man? They gonna get it to us. We got to take it. They won't black out. We don't get one black out. Stay together and keep fighting. Down. Down. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Cousin Oz, the People's Mailman, back for another episode with Cousin Tony the Architect. Now, you can't tell me you didn't get hyped up from that intro. Eagles fan or not, I mean, you got Rocky, you got Mick, you got the bells going on in the background, Brian Dawkins, Merrill Reese. Man, let me stop. I'm about to run through a brick wall here. But seriously, though, our next guest goes just as hard as Rocky when it comes to the hobby. This dude's passion and drive are the keys to his success. And we're fortunate here at Cousins Collectibles to have had a sit down with this gentleman. So sorry I'm going on and on. It's just that Rocky still got me hype. So here he is, without further ado, Alex Lynn, a.k.a. Delco Rips. Ayo hey, Tone, take it away. All right, all right, Tone. We are here with Alex Lynn, a.k.a. Delco Rips. All right, Alex. Uh, we just wanted to get to know your hobby background. What do you like to collect? Basically, what what you've been doing in the hobby, and you know what what your journey has been. Give us a little bit of a background there. Yeah, uh, thank you. Well, first off, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, humbled to be following some uh, big guests. So I, I know I got some big uh, 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 shoes to fill in terms of energy, in terms of. Uh, content but I, i'm gonna try to bring it um in terms of hobby background you know i think i have a similar story to a lot of people uh in you know in the last few years i, I collected uh very little but when i was five or six seven eight years old i collected mostly baseball cards and it started to me with a kind of a connection with my grandfather who really he he really attended yard sales for the purpose of buying and selling things right so he would buy deals at yard sales put things in a box bundle things and and then he would you know haggle a really cheap price and then he would go and sell at auction uh in in a person auction not ebay either right um and sometimes he would pick up baseball cards and a lot of times he would give them to me and i remember he would give me seal wax um, it wouldn't be boxes, but it would be like, you know, clear packs of junk wax tops. He'd be like, do not open this. Please don't, don't open this, you know, put it away, save it forever. And you know what I did, you know, I ripped all of it. I didn't even know the players inside, but, and then, uh, that, you know, that's really my like beginning. And I don't know what happened from there, but I, but I'll tell you this, I never played baseball. So I think I lost the connection to the hobby because baseball was not my passion. My, I played basketball my whole life. So I, to me, cards and basketball never really connected uh, as a kid. Like that wasn't something I did or really thought of um, as a connection to sports. I just knew that I love sports in general, love watching them. 
And so I kind of lost it uh, all the way, flash forward until uh, about 2021 and the pandemic hits and NBA Top Shot kicked off. And that's actually my introduction into kind of collecting was NBA Top Shot. And I started getting the NBA Top Shot before the news articles and the buzz and it kind of got expensive. So I was buying packs when you could just buy packs for $9 and see what you got. And I was able to get some James Wiseman rookies and things like that. And I, I basically sold for like a quick, and then it, it, you know the ESPN story hit and I sold for like a quick 3K right out, boom, from nothing, from like $18 to 3K from NBA Top Shot. Hmm. And I watched NBA Top Shot kind of lose its steam and lose its collectability and its value over time. And, uh, you know, me and my friends that were doing it kind of lost interest as well. And I was looking for my next thing, kind of what else to do and how can I take this thing that I was like investing? Because the, the thing I liked about Top Shot was how can I invest in players rather than bet on teams or bet on events? Like I want to invest, I want to bet on people because I like I, I like my sports knowledge versus other people. Like that's what I think I'm better at than other people. It's not like car knowledge, I'm working on it, but sports knowledge, that's where I think I excel. And that's what I've been doing my whole life is just being like, you know, fantasy basketball, fantasy football, uh, you know, betting on every game, you know, that's what I do. So this is the perfect kind of thing for me to apply that and, and use that kind of knowledge and creativity. So kind of, you know, I, uh, my buddy put two boxes of optic football in our group chat for $200, two mega boxes. And I hopped on them, opened them up. I got a Joe Burrow rookie was all hype about that. Nothing special. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, here we are on a, on a sports podcast about, <laughs> you know, uh, about a year later, literally a year later, because that was February of 2021. And, uh, you know, w- w- you know, w- that's kind of where we are. So, you know, long winded way. That's my hobby background and kind of bringing you forward to now. Wow. So you started with NBA Top Shot. I mean, how, how did that even like come about? I, you're saying you got in before the hype almost in the ground floor like what drew you to that was it just you and your buddies talking about it like explain that whole NBA top shot like that's just out of the blue to, uh, you know to start your hobby journey with NBA top shots kind of crazy like how did that I know I, I want to be truthful though so like yeah like, I know that's crazy I know but I want to be like completely authentic and yeah it's not something I really I guess I really bring up or talk about too much because it's a weird obscure start but but that yeah so I guess it's more of a uh, a bet. It was a bet on just kind of NFTs and collectability and the NBA as a brand. And it's more just kind of like, kind of from an investing standpoint, you know, like where could I put my money uh, for it to work for me? And that and and NBA Top Shot just seemed fun. And uh, yeah, so when I when I first got onto it, if you've ever uh, the thing about NBA Top Shot is it's hard to even get a pack. Once you even buy a pack, you can't even get another pack, right? But when I first got into it, there's literally like 
47,000 packs just sitting there for $9 and you could just open them. And the serial numbers were only the 1500 at the time. Like you were just getting like crazy, what would now be very, uh, very, uh, you know, kind of expensive collectibles, NFTs. So I don't know. It, I think I just kind of got lucky and was kind of piqued at interest at the time. And, you know, and then when it boomed, I saw like, you know, kind of, wow, what could this be? And then I, I did have, I had a buddy that also, you know, did NBA Top Shop, but also had physical cards. So he kind of just communicated about, you know, what else, you know, you could, you could do the same thing, but in physical cards and it just, you know, he's like only a little bit interested. And that's kind of how, you know, I don't do anything like a little bit. I always just go all in. So now he, I, he barely collects and now I'm like way into it, you know, doing it every weekend. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's just kind of how I, I do everything, but yeah. So now fast forward, I, you know, learned a lot of lessons through last year, ripping wax or focusing on low ends, collecting, uh, you know, only collecting base cards. Cause I remember, I've heard you guys say this too. I thought this was really smart. Like my first slab I bought was uh, Ben Simmons, uh, PSA 10 optic. And I thought, I'm spending a lot of money here. Like, and it was 150 bucks, right? Like, and I was, you know, I was, I felt like, man, this is an investment here in Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is now. It's not like my money's any different from a year ago, right? Like personally, like I don't, I'm not more like much more wealthy than I was uh, then than now, but my appetite for cards and my trust in it is so different, right? Because- you build up to it. And I think, I think that's, what's interesting and unique about it. And then as you build up to it, you kind of have equity in it and your decisions. And, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, th that that's kind of the level I, I, where I was and where I, I kind of feel like I want to be going. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Exactly. What you're talking about is like when you first get in, you're, you're, you know, scared to, to spend $10 on a card. It's like, man, you, could, you know, well, you're probably, I mean, you're coming from a different thing because you were like, well, the NBA top shot. And then let me start ripping and stuff like that. For for me, you know, as a kid, you know, we collected and you said you collected as a kid as well. So it wasn't um, spending hundreds and thousands of dollars on any type of uh, card and using it as investment. You would just go get a pack, rip it and hope you got the rookie. And, and, and that was it. And now, you know, like you said, your perspective change. Um, and it's not that you're any more wealthy than you were before, but you believe in that investment and you're willing to put a little bit more into it. Cause you know, one, I can go ahead and I could probably flip this if I'm doing the right purchase, get more money into it, then I can reinvest it and, you know, build your hobby that way. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy from where, where you start and where the mentality takes you. And like you said, that appetite that, that, that's a great, um, you know, way to describe it. You, your appetite just grows. I know cousin Tony, um, just from when he started to now it's, it, it's night and day what this guy's doing. He's like the super flipper over here. Um, you know, <laughs> like, like I said, I went from the sensei to like, like now I'm the karate kid and he's my Miyagi, you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> this dude, this dude's incredible. Why don't you go ahead, Tony, tell, tell him a little bit about how you did it and then where we're going to go from there. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny you say with, with the Simmons thing, because that's, that's exactly how you evolve as a person. The hobby evolves. Um, like you said, you know, I've had the last week or so where 
when I first started out, I had no intention of, of selling any cards. It was just going to be, I'm going to buy this stuff and sit on it and, you know, let's see where it goes. But you come to learn that, you know, sometimes those cars that you're sitting on could possibly be holding you, not so much holding you back, but hold the key to something bigger, better, um, you know, something that you can hold, hold on even longer and, and, and then flip that. But, you know, and then with, you know, with the top shot thing, I mean, it sounds like you got in and out, um, you know, hopefully you're out fully out. Cause I mean, I think, I think that, uh, I'm hearing stories that it's, it's a little tougher now, or, or they started making more of the same or whatever it is, but, um, it's cool that, that you were able to get in, in and out of there now spinning off of that. Do you, do you dip into anything, you know, any alternative markets, be it, you know, soccer, Pokemon, stuff like that? Yeah. Interesting. I just started, um, like, so I had, I'll give credit to this guy. Uh, his name is, um, um, new yen on on instagram and he collects kind of around philly and sets up and he had um he had kind of given me a tip about the si for kids tiger woods card right and uh this weekend i saw one of the main auction booths i believe it was pristine had a sgc 10 um to si for kids tiger woods and i just that, that to me brought back a real memory of of collecting that I've kind of forgot I was doing um, because this is a, a core memory of mine too, kind of the excitement of going into my library in elementary school and they had the SI for Kids uh, magazine subscription in our library. And you could look, you could, I believe it was kind of first come first serve to take the perforated sheet out and just grab the cards. That's kind of how our elementary school worked. And I do remember, like, I don't think I had the Tiger Woods because I wasn't in elementary school in 96, but I just remember other people and even getting the reprints and that type of thing and just liking it. So, you know, I had to go get me a Tiger Woods. Uh, I got a PSA 5 Tiger Woods SI for kids, but I didn't, I, I went out and got Mia Ham. I went Diana Tarazi. Um, I'm going after like all of them. Anyone that doesn't, my, my strategy there with SI for kids is like less LeBron because like, I don't want to crazy go crazy with them because with basketball, because he has other cards, but, but like Mia Hamm, that's her card and Tiger Woods, they hit like in 96, his, his real rookie card that people think they're collecting is from 2001. That's five years later, like 96 SI for kids uh tiger woods is his real card and the guy that i'm referencing kind of he made the point that it could be the next kind of like 86 fleer in terms of collectability with tiger woods because i i don't know anybody that doesn't think he is the greatest golfer to ever play you ever swing a club and you know it, it's really not even arguable in our generation we didn't see any of the other people like it doesn't they don't it doesn't they don't really matter so that's the kind of like the alternative market that I'm trying to tap into uh, SI for kids, different stuff like that. Michael Phelps, um, uh, you know, kind of just get, getting into the, those cards and, and the different kind of uh, players that don't have like traditional rookie cards. We've, we've kind of been on a roll in our last couple shows really hitting this, you know, alternative markets because it's, a lot of times it's an untapped resource and it goes back to what I said, where if you want to go back into the mainstream and get that big card, 
maybe you use the Mia Ham and and those things that at some point that stuff's gonna pop. People are gonna start looking for it, you know, and 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 maybe then that propels you to even higher heights of you know, if you want to go back in the mainstream or you just, you know, keep swimming in that pool because it's it's just an untapped an untapped market. Yeah, one thing you, I wanted to spin on just because you were saying, like, I thought it was really important, like the the concept of getting bigger, you know, kind of flipping up and, and trading your smaller stuff, to grab bigger stuff. It's because and the reason it's important is not only it gives you chips at the table, like people, you need car. If you want that card, you know, that 86 Fleer and you want to be able to trade for it without putting all in cash, like you need really high-end things that people want and several of them right like to trade up and i feel like it's difficult so like that's why you do it you can't and you can't do it with base cards like or ten hundred dollar cards never is going to get you a thousand dollar pot one it just won't work you know no one will do it no dealer does that so it that that's kind of i didn't know that either and i had to figure it out and lose take a lot of l's and i had to sell that kind of stuff for losses and i'm trying to do that i'm still doing that kind of you know i still have stuff i want to get rid of at that level and i'm trying to rapidly flip it into the stuff i believe in long term like you said yeah and, and um Oz, i'll kick it to you over in a second i wanted to it, it's not so much actually maybe it is and you can consider it an alternative market so we live in and around the philadelphia area and I saw that you recently went down to a show in Atlanta. So when you're that far away from home, do you see cards of Iverson, uh, Philly, like, you know, Philly legends that perhaps they're not as high priced because it's not really the market, you know, there. So maybe that's a, an angle to, to look for deals. Is, is that, did you see anything like that? I think you could like I, I saw some stuff like you could go after maybe guys that might not be as collectible and get some rare stuff for deals. So for like I'll give this is a really small real example that I bought. Like I saw them, I got, I bought a Matisse Thibel, uh on card Panini one out of forty nine rookie for thirty dollars, and I was like the retail price of that in Philly just would never be thirty dollars because it's like a nice. It's a very nice card, you know, of a starter, you know, it's just tough. That wouldn't, you know, you could just put 50, 60 bucks easy. Uh, but I, you know, in terms of like the, the stars, I really, people really don't kind of, they don't sleep on anybody. So like, like Devonte Smith, isn't going to sell like way under comps or anybody like you're that were really, I feel like that, or, you know, even like Jalen Hurts or just everybody like that, that they, anybody that you would know or have a play on equally, I feel like it wasn't as like, yeah, local deals as you would think. And also that show in particular was like a lot of national people, like from all over. So they really, you know, there was, there might've been like 30, 40 people from Georgia that were set up, but like the rest are from all over the country. So I, there was like, you know, you got a mix of everything. Um, and a lot of people's collections seemed, you know, kind of regionless. Like it didn't matter. Like they just had goats and stars across NFL and NBA, you know, regardless of region. What was the craziest thing that you saw down there in Atlanta as far as like cards? 
Man, you know, I, I saw I saw one guy that had uh, one showcase, but that's all he needed. But it had nothing but LaMelo Ball animal print cards and just like PSA 10, like every animal print you could imagine. And just like you could just see that you counting the fat like, you know, the case was worth so much money. But I was thinking to myself, like, what is this guy doing? Because like it's just he's. I get, you know, it didn't seem like he wasn't the type of guy that his collection was going to be a quick flip. Like he wasn't, that's not, you know, if you're, if you're set building at animal print lamellos, you know, you're not like flipping them. Like you're just doing that. Right. So I, you know, that's risky. You know, that's something that's the only, that was cr- the craziest thing I saw. Cause it was, you know, probably 50, hundred K and probably more like a hundred K in animal print lamellos um all in on them which i i really like lamello's game but also think about it like this too if you want to hold the bag right now he's likely not going to do anything in the playoffs you're going to be waiting a full calendar year like i like him but maybe this summer when he loses that you know you know you could get all those cards for cheaper so yeah that's my kind you know i that was the craziest thing and Probably not a wise strategy either. (laughs) Yeah, the tiger, the zebra, the elephant, the snakeskin. All of them. Yeah, like all that. And like he had the tens, he had them raw, like any way you wanted them. And he had multiples, like, you know, like a full kind of that's the way he collected. I mean, it's a cool, definitely a cool thing to do. I Mm -hmm. I just would maybe get different play, maybe, maybe just diversify the player option just so that you're not all in on one guy. But was he selling though? I mean, he was selling, right? Yeah, he was selling them, but I think he, I, I didn't notice him like he, you know, he, I don't think he was like moving them that quickly. So that Atlanta show, I know I heard a lot of hype about it. Um, that was the one I'm trying to think, what was the name of it again? Oh, Culture Collision. Culture Collision. All right. And I, I heard they had like a DJ in the background. Is that right? Playing, you know, music and everything yep. was bumping and they had all kinds of stuff there, right? It wasn't just uh you know, hobby related stuff. I, I think they had, um, you know, nails and hair and all kinds of craziness going on. Like what, what, what other than, you know, card related merchandise did they have at this show? Yeah, they had, so they had like, you know, the four and four basketball tournament in one corner. That's kind of where I was, I was set up. Um, and that was cool. Like, but it was the, it was, you know, it was the hobbyist. So that was kind of, it was kind of funny too, to see, uh, car collectors kind of try to hoop and um so yeah they that was going on and that was that was an interesting event they did a uh you know a, a, a shoe contest who had like the rare shoes and then as, as far as vendors uh lady next to me Lilith, uh she she runs a website where she made candles that looked like uh yeezys and air force ones and they had a wick out of it and uh, actually Michael Vick came over and bought one and I was like, yeah, right next to him, Michael Vick's shopping right next to me. It was pretty cool to see kind of a a legend like that. And I didn't even notice this, but yeah, like Cordell Patterson came over to her, all these NFL guys came over and bought, she was getting all these attention and she got content for Instagram. So, uh, shout out to her. I put her on my story yesterday, but, um, but yeah, like, and then there, it was mostly cards. I will say, like, I thought there was going to be more mix. I thought, you know, that was kind of talked about though. It really was mostly cards. There was a few shoe vendors like flipping like different 
shoes that they, you know, you will buy and kind of resell. And, uh, but I would say, you know, 95% cards and 5% kind of alternative vendors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now keep it a show related. Um, tell everybody, tell our audience about how we, you know, got together the story about when you were at the, uh, it wasn't the, uh, the Philly show was the, uh, Fishtown. The Fishtown show. Yep. Fishtown show. So just describe that story, how, how we came about, how it all happened, how we got together. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know, I needed uh, people to, um, you know, kind of help set up. So I had booked a a large table uh, with a bunch of people, with uh, some of my buddies that are lesser collectors than I that committed to spaces. And then they didn't need, they didn't want to do the show anymore. So I had to, figure out how to get uh, some of the tables filled. So I posted on my Instagram and reached out to people and uh, you guys reached out and, you know, we coordinated a a table really quick. You guys were fair and easy, easy communicators. It was easy to tell it was going to work out. And uh, then we just, you know, we, we, we had the show together. I think it was, you guys said it was your first, first time really selling or being behind the booth at a card show and selling your cards like that. And uh, people were super interested in, in what you guys were doing and, and the way that you guys collected kind of Iverson and Philly stars and having the rarest kind of cards and really the knowledgeable about the 90s inserts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's how, I mean, that's how it went down. It, it definitely was a good event and a good show. Yeah, yeah that was fun. That was fun. And you had uh, some prime real estate there, so that, that made them. Um... That made it, you know, all the, all the more enjoyable for both of us. I know Oz had a had a pretty good show <laughs> for for our first time. It was it was definitely, you know, when I got home and my wife was like, "How'd you do?" And I kind of made it rain on her with all the money that I made. That yeah, <laughs> you finally seen. Oh, this is real. I was like, "Yeah, it's real," but give me that money back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now touching on that, Alex, how do you how do you go about preparing for a show? you know, leading the week leading into a show, what kind of take us into what, what your prep is or, or, you know, what your whole process looks like. Yeah, definitely. Like, all right. So I'm going through my, my slabs, my, you know, my slab box, my, my biggest cards. And I'm, I'm checking comps because really nowadays you're, you're, that's what you're going to be up against, right? That's what your buyer is going to be looking at. And, you know, to think that they're not is really naive because, uh, to spend, you know, 2K on a card, $1,000 on a card, whatever it is, even 500 or 100, it doesn't matter, really. You don't want to spend your money and overspend. So people are going to be looking up the value. So I'm, I'm comping everything and I'm pricing things. If I'm going to put it out of show, I'm pricing it to sell. Like I really, I, I, I price things, you know, there's definitely things that you want to price aspirationally, but you know, you might even want to leave the sticker off because, because then you get into a different conversation. But, you know, I, I definitely, I, my strategy typically is to price things kind of right at comps to move them so that I can flip into better things. And my mentality and my motto is that, you know, my next buy will be better than my last, right? Like I'm getting better at this. So the more cards and deals that I do, the more, the better cards that'll come my way. Like, it's not about holding your cards. Like that's why, I I mean, that's my mentality. I don't believe in holding them forever. I'm trying to sell them at the right time. 
and then kind of flip into different things to kind of achieve, uh, you know, an overall higher inventory value. Because I, to me, that that's how you can, you know, you can grow. And, uh, you know, and if you're, if you're maintaining and you're growing that inventory value and not necessarily like diminishing it, then your business and your collection is growing and getting better. And trying to do that while keeping it to like a few pieces is difficult, but like, that's the goal. Now, as a dealer, people come up to you and they want to sell you your cards. How do you handle when the guy comes up to you with a box of what we call nostalgia wax and the box is worth more than what the cards, you know, the cardboard box is worth more than the card. How do you, how do you handle that person without, you know, them wanting to jump over the table and, and tell you that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's, I, I mean, I, I've definitely, I think it's case by case. Like, you know, I, I, de- I definitely deal with every single person ha- differently. Right. You know, you can feel the mountain and see kind of how you want, you, you know, you could handle it, but, but, you know, like if it's a kid, you know, you take a little bit more time to, to explain maybe, why you don't want to acquire it or reach for a solution where like, Hey, yeah, I'll take that. You could switch it out for one of my dollar cards or my $5 cards. If I have that option at a show, but if, if, if it's a, if it's a grown man with a bunch of old wax, typically just be like, Hey, sorry. Like, you know, I'm only looking for super rare da da da, and I'll point to something. And they usually nine times out of 10 people are understand and receptive to that. And they're just going to keep it pushing. And, try to find a buyer for their thing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's typically how I handle it. I haven't had too much pushback. I've had people ask me, like, I, I had a guy actually at the Fishtown show press me because uh, he, he showed me a Mac Jones card and it was a Mac Jones Alabama auto. And I, I just like didn't even, I was just, I don't even want to, like he, he didn't talk about price, right? Like I just, I don't even want to acquire. I don't care the price, like, I'm not going to like think about it. Like, I just don't want it. And I do that with cards all the time. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to get into the conversation because I'm not interested in acquiring any, every card because then I have to sell it or what, whatever, you know, like, so I, I've learned to become very selective at what I'm acquiring and really don't, I'm really not trying to get held like, or, you know, get uh, held the bag on anything. So like, you know, say it's something like a base 10 Zion and somebody offers you at 50%, right? And like you, you grab it, but then you, you, you put it at 75% comps and then you, we wait like six months and no one buys it from you. Like, and then you just sell it for what you paid and you just wasted your time. And that happens all it, like Zion's a funny example, but like you could do the same thing with Joe Burrow. You could do the same thing with uh herbert it doesn't matter you know any player any card you could do the same thing and i think that we 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 do that a lot as a collector we kind of waste time with acquisitions that we don't believe in so it's kind of like when you're getting stuff it's not all about the flip because you want stuff that you you know if it does if it goes bad you'll still believe in for at least a couple years then that's kind of you know how i look at things you know i want to flip them soon or when the timing is right for the right amount of money but you know it's not just about anything so like Luka Doncic like that's a card that I a player I spent a lot of money on because you know he's out here scoring 40 point triple doubles 
Like, I don't think he's going to stop doing that in two years. Like, I still think he's going to be collectible. Um, so, you know, I'm comfortable with that. You know, I don't, you know, even if he's not proven yet or hasn't won the MVP or the championship, but um, yeah, just as an example. Based off of that, um, the way the hobby is now, like you're saying, you're, you're almost, you want to call it maybe prospecting, I guess. But when you're a dealer, what exactly are you looking like? What are your bigger movers? You know what I mean? Like somebody like you said that you'll have faith in, but the, the, that person, you're willing to take a gamble that, okay, I'm going to go ahead, purchase them, get them at a good price. Then I'm going to, you know, try to sell them. But then I, I still have the faith. And if I don't sell this guy, you know, he, I'll be able to uh, keep them in, and later on down the road, be able to move it or keep it in my PC. But what, what have been your biggest movers uh, lately? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's really to me, it's locally, it's Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. So like Tyrese Maxey is the most liquid player in Philadelphia and has been not not the last two months, not the last three months for the last calendar year. I can't keep a Tyrese Maxey auto and they they sell so quickly for profit. You you could just uh, for a lot of time I was buying them on eBay for like 50 some dollars going to a show the same week selling them for a hundred. Like, it, you know, they were just selling, like people just wanted them. And he has that type of collectability because of his personality and smile. And he's had all those things even before these big games, you know what I mean? Like he's been collectible. Um, so to me, he's, he's one player that, that, you know, that I'm comfortable in uh, for that reason. Uh, John Morant, Luka Doncic, um, you know, the, those are the jo Joel Embiid too, kind of in like the prospecting realm where he hasn't quite done it, but willing to spend the money on him and just ride the wave. Uh, recently Harden, you know, I've gone in really deep on Harden. I got, I'm one of, uh, you know, 190 uh, PSA 10 tops, you know, rookie card holders. Uh, so I feel like that's a that's a solid you know low pop card to that I went in on in Dallas or in uh, in Atlanta, and you know I don't think I would have been able to get that deal in Philly. So I I was uh, the guy gave me a, a cash price, no trade, just straight up cash for it, and you know it was a, it was like a little bit over. It had a, it had a, I'll just give the details. It had a fifteen hundred comp and a two thousand comp uh, recently. And he, he wanted 1800, no less. And I, you know, I went back, I had the money because right, like we're at a show and I'm doing a lot of deals too. This isn't like my money, right? Like this right. is money I've been collecting over time. So <laughs> I'll give that also. So it's funny money at that point, but I do have the money at the on me. And I say, I walk away for a second. I, I thought about it. I look at one other showcase and I was just like, man, I live in Philadelphia. What am I doing? And I just walked over back and, handed them the 1800 and got the Harden because we live in Philly. Like we embrace our guys. Harden is a top 75 hall of famers. True. Like he will be forever on that top 75 list. Right. Like he, he's a goat, you know, he's, a, he's going to go down as one of the best scorers to ever play. He's about to be, he's going to go down uh, probably as the active number two, three point shooter all selling said and done too, volume wise. Uh, the most threes made. He's about to pass Reggie Miller. Um, probably, I, if he, I guess he didn't do it yet. He's about to do it 
on Thursday night. If he makes two threes, I think he passes Reggie Miller. Um, so there's a lot of reasons for Harden, but the, the, you know, those are the guys right now that, you know, are they, are they long-term are they older, older goats? No, but basketball wise, you know, like I feel comfortable putting my money in and being able to, you know, like not much is going to happen. You know, I guess Harden could tear his ACL. That would be bad, but you know, not too much could happen to where, yeah, really can't say that knock on wood, <laughs> but you know, like where it's going to drive it down that much. And even if he does, he'll live another day. Like he will still play basketball again um, and have his moments. So um, yeah, yeah. Th those are the guys, but you know, long otherwise Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, you know, those are the goats that I'm after. I really I like I like AI cards, but man, it's like there's such a gap in them. Like I feel like it's like you either got normal base cards or like these six thousand dollar refractor um, that I want, and then you know it's it's tough to pull the trigger on that. So um, one day I'll get there for the Topps Chrome refractor though. Ooh, that's a that's a beast right there. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. That's gonna be one day. I don't know when. One day. Those things are crazy. Um, now your name Delco rips. All right. So I'm assuming you used to rip product, right? You used to rip product. Did you do any breaking? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In the early days of the page, uh, I would be buying product and, you know, ripping and mostly friends like that would join the breaks. So like, you know, fair prices, um, even sometimes giving them deals that just get in the break, you know, like I'll give you $10 off if you just join. Um, so yeah, we, we were doing breaks. I wasn't really making any money. And I think that's, you know, I think that was interesting about the breaks, I, even as cheap as our breaks would run, you know, you would, there would just be too many losers in the equation. I felt like I didn't win enough for what I put into it. And then even the, the people joining it, only a few would win, um, for what they put into it. So it was kind of, I, that's really why I kind of stopped doing it. And I just, you know, I do still open product, but I have learned that retail opening retail wax is really just not, you know, is just not the way, right. You know, it, it isn't. And if you want to open something, you know, if you want to play the lottery, at least play it where there is a lottery ticket in the, in the box. So that, that's kind of my, my rule of thumb with it. You know, like if you're playing, uh, if you're getting, if you're ripping a hobby box, it has the gold, it has the, 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 the big things that you're looking for, at least you're playing the lottery with, you know, a, not a fair chance, but a, a chance at a lottery so, ticket. Ex you know? Explain it to the audience. You know, we have a lot of newer listeners and newer people in the hobby and even myself, because I'm not really, I haven't done any breaking at all, but the difference between hobby and retail and the price between a hobby and a retail box, you know, like if somebody's going, they think, oh, I just bought a box over at Walmart. I see them the same thing, you know, a box of mosaic. What's the difference between a, a box of mosaic there at Walmart and in the box of mosaic at your local LCS? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, and this is something that I had to get an appetite for and it was really tough for me, but so I would rip retail wax and be searching for, you know, various cards. And I think I had to realize that the volume over time, right. So like, it, you know, you're spending less money, right. When you're opening a box, especially if you buy it at the store or online, if you're able to get it at retail price, let's it, cross your fingers that that's your reality. But 
if you're able to do that, you know, I've noticed that, you know, you end up just ripping a lot of it because you're looking for more stuff and you're able to get more of it. And when you add up the total amount of money, you'd be surprised at how much you're actually spending in total on this retail wax versus, you know, maybe a box, say, let's just say a, a mega is 50 bucks, blaster, the smaller box, 20 bucks. But then, you know, a mosaic hobby would at the hobby shop as is a $600 box. And it's tough to understand, like, why would I, you know, and you're looking at the amount of cards versus the blaster and thinking that that's a ripoff to get the hobby box. But the, what I, my, my analogy about the lottery is that in retail, a good rule of thumb is that there just will not be like the rate of autos and the rate of, of rare cards is just so low. And, you know, it's incredibly low if they're almost, they're never guaranteed in the box and you'll really just go broke. But in the hobby box, at least there is a guarantee of two autos, you know, you know, in most hobby box, right? So you're just setting yourself up to have a chance already. And there's also, you know, golds, which is like the most desirable uh, out of 10 typically in every set. Uh, of for Panini is the, is the gold version of a, of a mosaic of a prism of an optic right and and that's the most you know like a Tyrese Maxi gold rookie card is kind of like the the coveted thing right like that's the the highest level that you could get and that only exists in a hobby box you're only going to get it there so you cannot pull that kind of stuff in in retail it just there isn't like three of them in the retail boxes and some no it's like the gold out of 10 is only in the hobby. Um, and that, and that's kind of what I mean when you take a look at the, the volume that you're ripping and the overall amount that you're spending, you know, take, you know, do less, <laughs> you know, don't do it as often, but save your money up. And when you really feel like I want to have some fun and open some, some product and, you know, kind of get that nostalgia, go in on a box for five, $600, and I know it's going to hurt, but you'll have saved for it. And at least you're giving yourself a chance at something that, you know, really could pay off. I think, I think that's what we're all looking for when we open wax, like, you know, an actual chance that it, that it pays off. So um, that, that's my advice to people because yeah, I've seen people get really, get really caught up in doing breaks and chasing for, for cards that, that, you know, at best would just be worth two or 300 bucks if they can. And you're like, what are you chasing for? You're spending double, triple, quadruple that chasing for something that's not, that really isn't that valuable at the end of the day. So that's my, that, that's a, that's a big lesson that, that I've learned through the last year. And I've had to make a lot of mistakes and L's to learn that, to even be saying this. So it's not something that where I knew that the whole time, uh, that's speaking from experience and and taking a lot of L's and spending money where I shouldn't have. Now, as a breaker, um, I don't want to say you almost have to be heartless, but when you have people buying into these breaks and if you have 10 guys, chances are nine are going to walk away with nothing. How do you handle, you know, somebody, Hey, this was, you know, like what a waste or this is, this sucks. And you know, you suck. And you know, cause then it becomes your fault. You don't know what's in the box. You're just, you know, you're opening it, but you know, how do you, how do you deal with people? You know, that the disappointment that, cause it, that's the nature of a break. Somebody's going to get a lot of people are going to get disappointed. 
Yeah, I always did. Uh, I always used my my dollar box and my five dollar box to kind of, you know, add some stuff like, you know, add a little care package to anybody that got burned too bad, especially because I would I even had and I'd still have like, you know, buddies that joined my breaks that that was their only collecting over the last year. So they have like one silver James Wiseman rookie card. You know, that's it. You know, that's all they got. Like from the one break I ran. You know, and, uh, you know, and I don't know. So um, where, wait, wait, what was the question there? I think I lost so, it. No, I asking you, how, how do you deal with people when they're, when they're disappointed? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah, know? so yeah, the, the definitely the, the dollar box and the, the $5 box just, just kind of adding to it. And yeah, some of the, some of, I guess where I was going with that was some of my friends that were new to the hobby, you know, you wouldn't want them to just like, you know, drop 40 bucks and walk away with no cards. So, you know, I, I didn't do it on the level where I was really like making any money from that. Um, it was just kind of for fun and to rip what I had and kind of to sell what I had at, at a high like resale value cost. So like, you know, if I had some prison blasters, like we could run the break and sell them for 80 bucks, you know, and I bought them for 20 or 30 or whatever it was. So you know, I think it was just, that was, that was what my mentality, whatever I did. And I always peppered them, um, for my dollar and $5 box, but that's not what people do. You know, that's you, you know, in the real world in the breaks that I've entered, I've gotten, you know, the one card shipped to me and, you know, I spent $300 or whatever, you know, and that's really what happens. And, um, uh, you know, and that's why you don't do it. <laughs> that's why it's, or at least you acknowledge that it is a gamble, right? You know, like you're truly gambling and, you know, know what you're doing and you're not, you're really not, you know, investing or like thinking that you're going to do well with that money. Um, you're just throwing it away and, you know, kind of really just playing on a long shot. Yeah. You're almost better off just, you know, it takes discipline. You get caught up in, in the moment. And if you got that gambling bug in you, you know what I mean? You're just going to be more apt to keep going in this break and spending more money, spending more money, trying to get that big hit where if you just took the money that you had, you could just go buy the single, you know, you can go buy that hit in a PSA 10, you know, for way less than what you're trying to spend it, you know, you know, trying to get it in, in this, uh, you know, rip that you're doing. So it, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy, but, it, it's a shift in mentality that you have to have in order to, to maximize what you're trying to do. Yeah, for sure. That's a, uh, I remember I dabbled a little bit and it was just that to have fun. I come home from the bar, have a couple of drinks. Oh, you know what I mean? Just start up. <laughs> Thankfully it was like $20 and $30. So it was, uh, I, I would have lost it on DraftKings or something. So I figured out, I was like, Stuart, I'll just, you know, put it in the cards and, and maybe I'll get something, but no. You got a couple of mellows. Yeah, I did. I did actually. Yeah, but you know, low end stuff, but nothing, nothing to write home about. Now, Alex, you um, you mentioned that you uh, you kind of set a goal where you want to tr try to do cards for a living. So, what do you what are you doing to you know try to make that goal a reality? Yeah. So you know, I think it's just to me, it's it's building with the right things. You know that that have you know, kind of long-term collectability where I believe in them, uh, combined with the ability to get immediate equity quick, you know, so that when I do want to sell them, I could, 
um, and I could flip into things that are even safer uh, to back the collection. So th th those are the things that I'm doing right now. But I think like the key for me to be able to do this long term and like, I think you have to build like your inventory value. It's that's the number that it's all about because right I, I think, you know, if you have living expenses and cards and that's all you had and no money, no income, you know, you'd have to, you have to really sell a good bit of cards and be able to flip and churn a good bit to, to be able to live off of that. And, you know, the people that are doing that are definitely playing with, you know, fifty hundred thousand dollars $100,000 of, uh, of, of cash, you know, kind of into the equation and, and much more inventory value. So I, to me, it's like, you know, building through the right things, like, you know, I'm not trying to collect things that I don't believe in or aren't my personality or aren't my sports beliefs, but, but also, you know, trying to be smart about it and understanding other people's perceptions and, you know, making the right decisions for an investment standpoint so that the collection goes up, you know, and it's not all about, you know, it's a little bit about what I like and believe in, but it's also about what my peers like and believe in, because that's who ultimately I'm trying to sell to. And I'm trying to, you know, kind of flip into other things. So, you know, I do invest into things I like, like lots of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, but I wouldn't really do that if all everybody else wasn't talking about them and if they weren't liquid players and, you know, likable players also. So, um, that, that that's what that's kind of my mentality and that, that that's how I'm setting myself up or that's how I think about it like I'd have to get to a certain level of inventory value to you know maybe double what I thought of I could live on in a year you know like that's kind of where I'm thinking you know in terms of inventory value you need to be to where you could um, start to live on your profit of your flips and and kind of see that number it, it grow quicker than you're going to burn it like i think that's what you know it's got to be pretty big for it to get to that level um and, and and you know i i i don't know i i think it's more and i i don't know what and i kind of said in that post that i don't know exactly how it'll materialize because i view myself as an entrepreneur in the in the long run too so who knows what kind of, you know, how I'll spin, spin off of cards. But I know that, like, I think I found something where this allows me to, and I think that's what we're all doing is expressing like our love of sports and like the nostalgia of sports. And that's what this is. And it's not, it's about, you know, you can express yourself through, and I don't mean this in a way of like, it's not about your total value, but it's like, however many chips you have, you're putting them into certain people and that's your expression of who you care about, who you believe in, what was important to you. So like if you have three cards and all of them are Josh Allen, like, man, you must love Josh Allen. Like, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's, that, that's an expression of what you believe in, in the sports world and the game and the take environment. And I, and I think that's what we're all doing is like expressing that, you know, that love of sports and that kind of our opinions about where it's going to go, what's going to happen in the seasons. Um, it's, it, it's really a cool thing. Like, I think it's, I can't wait for more people. And that's why I believe in it too, is I know all these people that do fantasy sports and uh, they, they have these same beliefs about players. They have, there's so many people that have 
you know, takes on quarterbacks and takes on on point guards and who's going to be this and that LeBron is the GOAT over MJ. There's so many people that think that that aren't in the cards. Think about that. So imagine when, you know, these things happen over the next year, the catalyst, like the golden documentary and, you know, just like uh, World Cup soccer, you know, uh, you know, different, different, different events through the years will kind of boost collectability. And, and that, that's kind of why I believe in that what we're doing in this um, and I'm comfortable like spending my time and money on it, you know, I've been putting so much like energy into it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's like, that's kind of my, my direction for the future, just building that way. And, and, and that's why. So when that dream becomes a reality, will the name change go from Delco rips to Delco flips or something? <laughs> I, like, you know? I like the Delco yeah. flips. Maybe that, but you might've just, maybe you coined something for me because I'm looking <laughs> for, I don't like, cause someone's got Delco cards already. And, you know, you don't want to just like, you know, I, it doesn't matter how big or like, I don't want to just take their name, you know, they already mm-hmm. started or whatever. So I don't know. I, I might even lose the Delco cause it, I'm not even sure. Like, but it is, I like, you know, one thing about Delco and why I say it and bring it up and put it in my brand is because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it has a connotation. If you know, if you know where we're from, explain um, that a little bit. Cause you yeah, don't really yeah. have the true full Delco accent, <laughs> not all the way there for those who don't know in Southern Southeast PA, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of an accent. So for example, I know you guys can't see because we're audio, but Alex, can you tell me what kind of bottle I'm holding? <laughs> see, I don't see, I don't have the accent either, but yeah, I, that's okay. water right there. Yes. The yes. <laughs> yes. Because in Philly, um, and my wife, who is nowhere near from Philadelphia for some odd reason, says water, W-O-O-T-E-R. And if you go to Phillies games, Sixers games, some point or another, you're going to see somebody wearing a shirt that says, you know, give me some water or where's the water ice or water ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but yeah, just touch a little bit on what, you know, Delco is and and, you know, how it all just kind of relates to your name and maybe where where you're going to go from there. Yeah, so I'm from Prospect Park, which is like pretty much, you know, right off 95 near the airport, um, southeast Delco. And, you know, I, I'm proud of where I'm from, you know, like I like I like where I'm from. I lived in other places. I lived in uh, Nashville for a while and I moved back here. I chose the, you know, my wife and I chose to come back here. And that's not something when I was younger that I thought I would do. Um, I didn't know I, I love this place until I left, but I, and I, I just think it's kind of funny because I was one of those people when I lived in Delco growing up that I didn't enjoy it or I didn't like, like, I kind of believed into the stereotype that Delco people like have the accent or a little, or dirt bags. That's just to put it frank. It's like, it's what it means when, when you say Delco, you think of a dirt bag. <laughs> all right so and I can say that because that's where I'm from and that's really what that's really what the connotation is and because of that because that's the connotation of where I'm from I feel like that's why it's in my name because I'm still proud of it and like that is it doesn't matter you know like there's a lot of Delco people that are intelligent and do good things and like it doesn't you know like that that connotation doesn't define the area 
And I just like, that's why it's in my name. So, uh, you know, I think it's funny, you know, and that, and people come up to me. I've had people, some guy at the Wildwood card show, one of my, it was like my second card show. He said, why would you ever put that in your name? Like, <laughs> da, 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 like, don't you know, like, da, da, there's like scumbags and from Delco, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I'm just like, he, to, to, to say that to somebody like right like where you know like that's where I'm from man like why would you say that to me and people are so comfortable with just like putting this place down but you know it's the home of the best inside out pizza and the only original inside out pizza in the world at double decker so you could you could try that out we're known for some fried food and uh and yeah yeah that's the story with Delco and why I kind of want to keep it in the name and long term, I may get rid of the rips because, yeah, I don't think it sends the right message of like what I'm really doing with my page. So I'm thinking of a new I like the Delco flips. I think that's probably accurate as to like what I'm doing long term, building my collection, flipping it into it, into new things, into higher value. Um, so I'm, I'm going to think about that. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. Tony Tone, the well, architect doing yeah, his well, thing. Uh, We'll talk off air. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll sign some contracts and we'll get that. We'll get that done. <laughs> I'm about to buy that. He already, he already bought the domain name. So yeah, I have to buy it. Off yeah. <laughs> while you were, while you were talking, I was like, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep, keep That's talking about pizza and, 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 you know, all this goofy stuff. I'm like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> I, I got the, uh, I got the Twitter. I got the domain name. I got it all. So <laughs> real quick. I'm a big Embiid guy, if you haven't heard. Um, if he wins MVP and they win the championship, where do you see his card market going? Yeah, his, he, he will, he'll explode because his card market really, if you look at, you know, if you look at him compared to a player like Giannis, you know, you would expect to, like his cards to go to like that level. So, right, like if you think of like a, uh, Gem Mint, Prism, Giannis, like a BGS 95 is like a, a thousand bucks, maybe 800 to a thousand right now. Like, you know, Embiid's is like 300 bucks. Okay. So he's got room, you know, this isn't a play, but the only thing working against him is like the number one player he's compared against is Kim Olajuwon, who his 86 Fleer PSA 9 is $800. And if you look at like Shaq's big rookie cards, still disrespected so I, I i do worry and i've had a lot of people that will express this that worry about big men and their collectability but i think you look at player like Jokic's number uh car value and uh you know that gives you hope Giannis plays a similar way he's basically just like a fast big man a skinny big man you know he can't shoot so he he plays like, you know, he's a skinny big man and his card market is what it is. And Embiid is, it, the, I think the one thing that makes Embiid potentially uh, collectible beyond the typical center too is just his skill. Like he's skilled beyond, you know, like it's notable that Shaq can't really shoot. Like he can't, he can't shoot free throws better than your gym teacher. Like that's disappointing from a collect. And I, I think that really does, I think that's what hurt some of the big man perception is some of that, like, and that's why maybe MB could like feel like kind of get out of it because 
he's so skilled, regardless of size, like pound for pound, he's the he's one of the best mid-range shooters. He could be six foot tall. He would still be knocked down from mid-range, you know? Um, so I think if, if he wins MVP and, 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 and a championship, I mean, expect a double from where they, from the normal cards, the coveted cards, where they are now, because, you know, I, you know, I own a gold auto on card auto, like, you know, under, I acquired it for under a grand, you know, like that, that, that probably shouldn't be possible for all what he's done already, but I think it's, 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 for some reason, it seems like only Philly fans or people that really believe in the Sixers are investing in those types of cars right now, but I think he needs to win it. He's got to do this thing and they got to win for him to take that step. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the disrespect is real, bro. It really is. And that's, it's, it's nationally. No, and I, I'm not trying to joke around. I'm just saying you, you hear the, the stars of the league and it's like, and beads like the throw in after they talk about everybody else, you know what I mean? It's, oh, oh, don't forget about the guy that's been playing the best all year. Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. And it's like, they'll talk about Giannis. They'll talk about Steph. They'll talk about DeMar DeRozan. They'll talk about freaking LaMelo Ball before they go throwing, you know, Embiid out there. And it's like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we got it. He started his career injury prone. We got it. Yo, he's balling. You know what I mean? Like he balled last year. He balled this year and he's doing it. You know what I mean? He had like a, a spurt of where he, he got hurt for like two weeks last year, but he was on track to win MVP last year as well. And then Jokic came in and, and, and took it from under him. And, I, you know, there's a running joke between Tony and I about the whole Jokic. You know what I mean? I respect Jokic. You know, there, there, there's two, well, three big men in the league. If you, you, you include Giannis, Giannis is kind of like a unicorn when it comes to that. But if you want to say big men, big men, it's, it's Jokic and Embiid. But I feel like Jokic, he's a better passer than Embiid, but Embiid has him in everything else as yeah. far as skill-wise. You know what I mean? Like Jokic can't do half the things that Embiid can do, you know, and do it at, at such a, a level where he looked like when Embiid, I, I'm pretty sure you've seen that video where they have him doing the dream shake or the Jordan, you know, Kobe fade away. And it's like he he's just doing it exactly like those dudes. You know what I mean? You, you look at Jokic and he's lumbering down the court and – like, I don't even know how he can, like, defenders, it's like, go ahead, Jokic, just dribble right by me. I'm like, how the hell, what the hell? You know what I mean? This guy's, like, freaking, he can barely run up the court, but you're letting him break you down? Like, I, I don't get it. But, you know, maybe that's just my Joel Embiid homerism. Um, but, again, like I said, I do respect uh, Jokic, but I just feel, other than the passing, Joel has him, you know, hands down on everything else. So I'm just trying to. You know, I'm not, I just yeah, I, I saw a card on card auto out of 49 select. So I've got PSA nine. Some guy said it was worth 4K. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, the, the 10 blah, 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 like went for 10K. And I looked at it like he wasn't even off that off. Like, so yeah, they're like Jokic's cards are way up. Like, you know, I mean, I guess he does have an MVP, but. MB, if you really think about it, if, if as long as you're if you bet on Embiid's health for the next three years, if that comes true, he's such a good buy. He's got to be, you know, just off of just off of the delta between him and Jokic. Like I, I don't see how he doesn't close that with accolades in the next couple of years. But you know, well, I you know that that I'll be I'm looking for deals on them too, like anything rare. Uh, it'll, it might not happen this season. I think I got my big win. 
because it was like right before he had that perception bump, things were really cheap. And then yeah. now with Harden on the team, it's yeah. kind of given him, Tyrese Maxey, they're all kind of expensive. I think I might have to be uh, retired. And, and that's something to talk about. I love basketball. That's the thing I know, thing I know the most about, the thing I feel most comfortable prospecting in. But like, I'm going to have to sell a lot of my basketball cards between now and the end of the season. And I'll have to invest in some quarterbacks. And it's just a smart thing to do. So I, like, you know, you'll see me flip into uh, some stuff and I have like a John Moran on card auto, like nice. I, I'm probably going to have to sell it, you know, like, right. I, you know, he's, this is, he's got to win, you know, he might, he's in the MVP conversation. He's going to be in the playoffs, you know, all that hype is going to be building um, anyway. So, but that, that that's something that I'll, I'll do to kind of even go away from my own personal preferences uh, for the season. Um, and kind of go into some quarterbacks. Nice, nice. So we we always end with the same question with everybody that we talk to. All right. It's a show for the newbie, for the beginner, the new hobbyist coming in. Um, we have a buddy that ha- has a couple questions. He He's coming to a crossroads where he feels like, I don't know, this just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in a rut type thing and, and kind of questioning whether or not I should continue with the hobby, you know, what advice do you have for that person that's kind of in that rut, doesn't know what to do? Like, you know, what, 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 what kind of advice could you offer them? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, you know, really you want to pick things that, that, you know, speak to you, uh, that, you know, you look for, find that one card that, that you can sell all your other cards for and get and obtain that will, that will hold your interest. Um, and, uh, that, that's really what I would say is like, you know, find that thing that you believe in and that player you believe in that sport you believe in, uh, that team, you know, if you think X team is going to win the Super Bowl, or, you know, go grab their quarterback and that will give you the momentum and the collecting momentum to ride through seasons. Cause that's how I view it. It's really about the, it's about the calendar seasons of the actual playing. It really matters. You're not selling basketball cards the same rate in December as you do in March. Like it's a basketball is hot right now. It was not in December. So um, yeah, just, just stuff that, you know, you believe in and, and going after um, and kind of going off. And that's my, my biggest advice is to, is to, you know, collect quality and not quantity and go after stuff that, you know, something that'll really kind of pique your interest long-term. Um but yeah, and stay away from the, you know, kind of the, 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 the lower end, uh, just mass amounts of cards, um, just to kind of, you know, have a, have something of somebody, um, and just focus on, you know, really that quality, that rare, that lower print stuff, uh, numbered and autographs, um, and, and non-sticker autos. That's the biggest, one of the biggest advices I could give too, is like, Man, no one, nothing sits on your shelf like a sticker auto. Um, doesn't matter the player. Um, they just don't move the same as on card. That's uh that's good good stuff. Even when, like you said earlier on, just the the believing in something, whether like you said, if you can't sell it or whatever it is, but if you not so much stuck with it, but you, you know, you're gonna like it, you're still gonna appreciate it, you're gonna look at it. It'll make you smile. It'll take you back to whatever it is, a special place, a special time. 
and that's a big part when you when you come in early because you usually want to buy everything and every you know right away and, and then you're just starting to buy whatever and there's no rhyme or reason so that that's a big thing to buy not so you know you always hear buy what you like buy what you believe in that's a big difference you know i like this but i believe in that so that's 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 nice yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I could, I could go all day with like Brian Dawkins cards. Like I could, you know, I love Brian Dawkins and I had a jersey. I was wearing his Jersey to like firehouse dances, like basically the teenage club when we were kids, you know, like yeah. I thought, I thought Brian Dawkins Jersey was cool. So like I could make my whole collection Brian Dawkins, but you know, that's not really, you know, we're putting our real money into this that we earn. That's the, that's the one thing that you got to remember. And as you get into more expensive things, uh, it is a risk and it is our real money. And, you, you know, you have to be careful. And that's why, you know, it matters about what you believe in, um, all things considered, using like your full kind of sports creativity. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, on that note, I guess we're going to wrap it up. Right, Cousin Tom? Yes, sir. Alex, man, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, out Delco, at Delco Rips on Instagram. Uh, and I even have uh, at Delco Rips on TikTok, pretty small on there, but doing some car videos. Um, but yeah, you'll find me at a local card show in the Philadelphia area, most likely. Uh, I'll be looking for deals or set up. I always post on my Instagram, but I can't say enough. I really appreciate you guys having me on my first ever, you know, card podcast. Anybody asking me about my collection, collectability, really on camera. I've been on one vlog where I got roasted on the deal. Uh, so this is, you know, this is kind of like, uh, yeah, the, mo the most anybody's ever asked me about what I'm doing, um, even, even people close to me or whatever, probably the most I've ever explained in my head about what I'm doing. I appreciate you giving me the platform and the outlet and just being good dudes. Um, so yeah, thank you. No, thank you. I mean, like just your whole journey what you've been talking about from the nba top shot you know diving into that i would have never even thought about that which is crazy but you know from your beginnings to even now just thinking about going and doing this full time i mean that that's awesome dude you know we we applaud you that that that's something me and tony you know we we spin our wheels about that you know maybe someday maybe someday but you're doing it we appreciate you and the advice that you gave to our audience unbelievable and we wish you luck, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there it is. Hustle personified. If you want something bad enough and you believe in it wholeheartedly, you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure those dreams become a reality. Delco rips, <laughs> or should I say Delco flips, depending on what agreement Cousin Tony and Alex come to after this episode, is the embodiment of hard work. And he's going to be a force to reckon with in this hobby for years to come. Believe that. Make sure you give him a follow at Delco rips on IG and look out for him at a show near you. Trust me, this dude is everywhere. Thank you, Alex, for sharing, brother. Much love. And don't forget to check us out on IG at Cousins underscore Collectibles. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And as always, keep focused, keep positive, and keep collecting. Hey, yo, Tone, bring the beat back.